From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. Our guest today, uh, I'd like to welcome Max Bittner. Max is the CEO of Vestiaire Collective, a global marketplace enabling people to buy and sell luxury pre-owned fashion products. For more information, feel free to visit vestiairecollective.com. Max, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really, totally, really honored and uh, excited to have you on. Thank you. Great to meet you. Max, can you share with us a, a quote axiom a prayer that carries you through either the day or personally and professionally that uh, really matters to you yeah I'm, i try not to take myself too serious in life so i have this wonderful calvin and hobbes cartoon which i used to have actually hanging in my office which shows calvin and hobbes completely out of control tumbling down a hill um, and calvin says the truth is most of us discover where we are heading when we arrive um you know i think in this world we have a lot of very visionary people um, and uh, I, I try to take myself not too serious. So every time I look at it, I smile. You know, I, I reflect on who I am and what I do and, and try to not forget to enjoy life. On that, a segue to it, did you have an essence of that even when you were uh, a child, if you can recall? Yeah, in some sort of way. I think I was pretty carefree as a child, at least about kind of just doing what I felt like and enjoying it to the fullest, uh, you know, also getting in trouble more than I probably should have. And, you know, once you kind of enter the whole rat race in life, you know, that carelessness disappears sometimes. Um, you know, but having kind of followed the journey that I've had over the last 10 years, first with Lazada and now with Vestiaire, you know, I, I kind of really enjoy, you know, being that carefree and, and troublemaking young boy again. And uh, that's why I think the cartoon is so relevant. And the fact that it even is a cartoon and that it's a cartoon of a you know, I don't know, five-year-old boy. Um, I think it just, just makes me smile. Now, that five-year-old boy, I have a firm belief, and you may disagree, that if you are doing what, I guess, tickled you or really moved you as a child, and you're doing it as an adult, you're much more likely to be joyfully fulfilled. What's your thought on that? Absolutely. So I think both, you know, again, building Lazada in Southeast Asia before and now building Vestiaire. I think in both of these settings, you know, we really disrupted it, the, the powers to be in the respective kind of environments in Southeast Asia. It was these, you know, economic rent driven, you know, big oligarch families which controlled, you know, Indonesia, Ma- Malaysia, Philippines. And now with secondhand luxury fashion, we're disrupting some of the big kind of luxury players and, and the way people think about and consume fashion. And it kind of reminds me again of being a bit the the rebel uh, school kid that I was back then. So it it, it definitely gets me excited. Yeah. On on that excitement level, how would you work with not just the excitement part of it, but even uh, there's parts where you look like, oh boy, this may not just kind of kick off the way we envisioned it or we planned it. And then how do you adjust for that sort of uh, disruption, I guess? I think I've just continued being incredibly stubborn. If I want something, I'll just continue fighting until I get it which means the fights sometimes last really long. Sometimes they last years. 
but I think you you need to stick to what you believe and and you know continue following what you set out to to follow you know and then just never taking no for an answer i think that's that's the bottom line right i think the the battle is lost once you've given up not when you're put down do you believe that that sort those attributes are you're able to instill that in people or you think it's they're they're born with it and then they develop it i think everyone has it I mean, I think is there are some who believe that they have it and they trust themselves that they have it and they just, you know, push themselves. And I think, you know, as a leader or as a CEO or as, as whatever you want to call it, you know, one of the most important roles that you play is that you remind people continuously, you know, what they're capable of. Because I think so many people are capable to do so many things uh, if only they believe in themselves and, and really push themselves and, and just push themselves that extra bit harder. You know, sometimes they just need to be reminded of that. You know, sometimes they don't want to hear it, and that's fine. Also, you know, I think it's it's not about judging anyone, but I, I do believe that people, when they put their mind to something, when they really put their full effort into it, um, you know, they're usually capable to do more things than they think they are. And and I think that's how really great things get achieved. That's how really great companies get built is through the collective stubbornness and belief in oneself, and just kind of being willing to to push that extra bit harder, which, which I think is required to, to make something succeed. Yeah. And, and along the lines of that push extra hard, what else do you do besides, is there a form of exercise, meditation that you do to keep strengthening that level of resolve? I think meditation is a great thing and I try to do it all the time and I never stick to it. Um, you know, I, so I, I don't judge people who do, but I, I just kind of, over, after a couple of weeks, I always get sidetracked. Um, yeah, I do quite a lot of things. I, I used to ski a lot. Or I still ski a lot. I used to do a lot of high altitude mountaineering. Um, and now I surf, you know, in, in the southwest of France quite a lot. Um, I think all of these sports are semi-meditative because you're kind of out there in nature and you, you have to be incredibly focused to do well because you can't really distract yourself, you know, by, by not being there in the moment and, and doing the things that you need to do. So in some sort of way, they are, you know, almost forms of meditation. And I think combine that with the kind of adrenaline jump, pushing through your body and, and the, the excitement and the kind of raw nature being surrounded is, is, you know, meditative, but at the same time intense and pushes you further. So I think that does the trick for me at the moment. Yeah. The clarity. Does it, do you get gain or experience greater clarity even if you ever when you're away from work? thought or uh... uh yeah yeah i think i have once or twice moments of clarity but i i tend to not <laughs> i tend to not uh, stick in them too long I, I think i just like staying on the move i like continuing to push myself and you know i probably should in hindsight um in, enjoy these moments of clarity more more than i than i do at the moment you know i'm not saying that i I haven't found Nirvana yet. You know, I'm still searching like all of us. And maybe I can tell you something else in 10, 20 years. And, and I will find this yeah. wisdom that you and me are all looking for. That vision, where you are now, even though we're, we're obviously, we're all still searching for or allowing ourselves to become that clear vision of ourselves. Where you are now, did you foresee it before it even happened? Like before you even said, like Vestiaire, did you even foresee this? being to the level of where it is when it was nothing no i think that's okay. that's uh that's coming back to the cartoon and the mantra i told you before right i think it's it's very easy for someone like myself who's had some level of success in retrospective to tell you oh i've been so visionary and i all saw it coming and we're all so smart 
Um, I think that's kind of the history out of the eyes of the winners. And I, you know, consciously with that cartoon and that saying of the truth is most of us discover where we're heading when we arrive. You know, the honest truth is that's the that's you know what I think. I think you know I have a I had a sense what I want to do. I have a sense of what it could be. I had a sense of the potential and took the opportunity or the opportunities when they when they arrived. You know, but you know the journey is is you know a big part of it and the ups and downs and and the grit and the and disappointments and the enjoyments and you know to sit there and say oh I saw it all in the past. I think it's a bit presumptuous and a bit arrogant even if i even in in moments of clarity or moments of cockiness i think that i had that vision i just try to remind myself that i shouldn't be so full of myself it's terrific you're listening to the entrepreneurs radio show and podcast on kzsu stanford 90.1 fm we're talking today with max bittner ceo of vestier collective for more information feel free to visit the website at vestiercollective.com again vestiercollective.com. Max, the grit. How important is grit to you? It's everything. For me, it's absolutely everything. Like I said before, I think it, it's having the ability to push oneself, having the ability to push others, you know, having the ability not give up, having the ability to continue going, even though every part of you or everyone around you says you know, it's over, I think is absolutely what it takes. And I think that's, you know, I think what I'm probably the most proud of is is that absolute, you know, unwillingness to ever give up and just eating shit until you get there. So so it's... Is that also a part of your culture of the people you work with and, and an attribute that you look for in people? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's a culture I try to remind people with is, is that, you know, every moment that things go well, just to remind me again that you're only as good as your last game and, and just, you know, prepare for your next game and just continue, just keep on going and not being, you know, ever happy with what you have and pushing oneself to to go further. I, I think that's, you know, it's tiring at times. You know, I'm not saying that that is, you know, necessarily the easy way and it's not necessarily the way for everyone, you know, and, and there's definitely moments where sometimes, you know, I'd love to just kind of sit back and have a beer and just, just switch <laughs> off and, uh, think well, life could be much easier than what I'm doing right now. But but I think it's you know we we all have a short moment in life uh, that we're on this wonderful planet that hopefully will be around a bit longer, and we all have our job to do. And, and I think what's you know so incredibly motivating, especially now with with Vestia Collective and the mission that the company has about uh, changing the way people think about consumption, and, and and with that actually have a real meaningful difference. Uh, in the world, I think is incredibly inspiring, incredibly fulfilling and, and gets me going every morning, you know, and I think I, I absolutely do remind, you know, our team, you know, how big that mission is and, and um, how fortunate in some sort of way we are all are to, to be able to work jointly towards that mission. And, you know, the, the question I always ask people in interviews is, you know, if you, you know, fast forward to being 70, 80 years old in life, um, you know, what is the advice you want to give to yourself today? And, and you know, what would you have liked to achieve in your life um, in that, you know, distant future? Uh, and I think it's, it's really that perspective of longevity, you know, reminding people how much time they have to achieve things, which I think is really important. I mean, I think what is extremely striking and I quite often see with young colleagues of mine, you know, who have this urge to, you know, change career every 
12 months, 24 months, do something, get a promotion. Oh, I didn't do this. This constant fear of missing out is kind of, okay, step back. You're 30 years old. You're 35 years old. In today's age, you know, our average age is probably north of 1995 if you're not smoking, not drinking too much. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a long time, you know, to you have to, to do things, right? And, and, you know, if you're 30, 35, you know, your career is not over when you're 45. You probably have another 40 years to go because you're not going to retire at 70 because what are you going to do being retired at 70 and not doing anything for the next 20 years or 25 years? I'm not saying you cannot enjoy your life. Sure. But... 30 years of, of being retired is, seems like a long time sometimes. Um, so you're all going to, I mean, a lot of people are going to do a lot of things. And I think they, that that's a, if you start changing your perspective and think a bit more long-term about things, you know, then you approach a lot of these things in a, in a different way. And you also give yourself time to do it the right way. So I think it's, it's incredibly exciting. That um, I, I notice your, uh, the cap that you're wearing and has uh, letters I think it's a it's a motorcycle closing brand from France. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was wondering if it was an acronym for a, a way of being or something. But no, they, no. I they, think it's just a cool, cool cap. That's a great. That's a great plug too. <laughs> it's a very good plug. On that, um, I like how you seven, see yourself at, as 70, 80 years old, and so in effect, it's traditionally called like reverse engineering. Is uh, doing that in in your life. Is that something you practice regularly is when you kind of see a perspective outcome and then work your way? You know? Yeah, I think it's how you project yourself three, four, five years out. What do you want to achieve in the next four or five years? Because you, in the end, I mean, in the end, you know, you go through your life in stages. I've heard different things on, you know, what these stages are. You know, you have your Matthew McConaughey saying it when he accepts his Oscar. Then you have your shrink telling you life changes every seven years when you're seven, 14, 21, 28. And each of these steps is usually when you have some sort of transformative moment in your life. And, you know, I guess it's somewhere in the middle of all these, you know, but I do believe that, that you should think in steps and think, okay, what do you want to achieve in the next step that you're going through? And that you should really then work on what is required to get you to that next step, that you kind of think of, of, of it being a longer process um, for which you need to prepare yourself. And I think, again, coming back to that impatience in today's world where you, you know, where, where you, know, you, you know, a lot of us have this constant fear of missing out, you know, instead of thinking about this, this fear of missing out, you actually, you know, I think it's through things in a longer time period in preparing oneself for that. I think, again, allows you to step back, enjoy the moment, but, but also kind of, you know, plan for that eventuality or that uncertainty when it happens. Can you share with us a story, you don't have to name names, of course, or companies, where it was a moment of despair or maybe even a period of despair, and it turned into um, at least a sparkle of glory in the end or at some point for you that really like resonates with you, even on the top of the mind? Moments of, of despair for myself, which resonated in, in success? Yes. Yeah, so it was just like, oh, I, I'm just, I don't know what to do, where we just open your arms and say i'm not sure what to do with this moment and this place and it turned into something actually rather either glorious or uh, wonderful or at least it worked well ah i mean it could be even I, personal I, it could be i surfing. mean I, I had so many of these moments i'm, I'm struggling to pick the the right one which <laughs> which sounds exciting for, so for your for your listeners but i mean this is just as recent as four or five months ago during the middle of COVID. i mean we were we were in france as you guys are in the, the us facing some pretty serious moments and um, back in march april 
Um, you know, for those of you who don't know our business model, it's it's basically the the selling peer to peer of luxury uh, secondhand items, and the value that Bestiaire brings to the to the transaction is that we provide an authentication service where the product gets sent from the customer from the authentication up to the buyer. And and during the peak of uh, you know COVID in here in France. We started having, you know, people getting getting also sick in our logistics hubs, and and you know we try to do a lot to protect um, our colleagues, and and you know we brought the masks and we brought the, the distancing and, and set quite strict rules. But but at some point, um, because we were so strict, as soon as people showed any symptoms, we quarantined their whole team. You know, our capacity was was severely limited, and and you know, at the same time, we were facing these these massive peaks of supply and demand because people were stuck at home, so they were cleaning up their closet. People were, you know, suffering from financial duress because of the uncertainty in the economic environment, uh, and therefore, kind of monetizing their wardrobes. And on the buying side, people again, you know, people never stopped shopping, and in COVID, people got more price sensitive than they were before. You know, so we faced these kind of peak and peaks and volumes. At the same time, our capacity was limited because we had to be quite disciplined to protect our our colleagues. Um, so, I mean, that was a real moment of of you know stress and and real concern that you know were we able to continue even providing our service. And that moment of clarity kind of you know kind of summarizes a bit the stuff I said before about being prepared for that moment. And and we went through these eventualities: what could happen and what what the worst that could happen. And we also wanted to test how can our business model evolve. And we basically expanded our what we call direct shipping service, you know, from all the trusted and expert sellers to all sellers and increased the minimum, the basket size. And that was probably, you know, one of the most significant moments, you know, for the company over the last 10 years and, and has, has resulted in an ex- absolute explosion on, on sales and deposits on the platform um, and has been transformational. So, so part, part of that was unpredictable um you know i i was not able to predict that that moment will come with covid with the supply peaking and demand peaking and at the same time having shortfalls on the capacity but the team was prepared for it and the team was ready for it and they thought about it and they've been paranoid enough in the run-up to it to, to kind of go through all the eventualities and i think our vision was quite clear on where we wanted to go so it, it basically just forced us to act faster but we were prepared so i think it, it kind of you know brought a lot of these things together and and you know despite that moment of you know i'm, I'm sure there were moments where I, I held my hand over my head and said oh my god this this might go really wrong um you know but the team did an amazing job and and you know i think we were prepared for that moment excellent this is the entrepreneurs radio show and podcast in kzsu stanford 90.1 fm we're talking today with max bittner max is the ceo of vestier Collective, for more information, feel free to visit the website at uh, us.vestierecollective.com. Again, that's us.vestierecollective.com. Max, what does, uh, has changed? Say so you, you shared a lot within the last four or five months. What has changed even just with your perspective on, uh, this is a big one, I guess, and you don't have to answer it, that your perspective just on um, commerce on the web in the last four or five months? You know, I think the most striking thing, of course, that has happened is just the acceleration of digitization of everything we do. I think that's just the, the fundamental thing that has happened. 
um, you know, through through the the situation that we're all facing right now, um, you know, with social distancing and quarantining ourselves in some sort of way, um, you know, we were able to fall back on you know the incredible power um, that technology has provided us over the last decades. Um, you know, I, I, I was joking during confinement, um, you know, where many of us kind of felt, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Um, you know, imagine how this is would have been 30 years ago. Imagine you would have not had Zoom and you would have not had email and you would have not had Amazon. I mean, I mean, I don't even know how bad that would have been. Um, so I think, you know, you know, of course, there's times when when we all love bashing tech. Um, but thank God we had tech during this period. And I think it's, it's just accelerated um, the adoption of tech. I mean, my parents didn't know what Zoom was six months ago. And now, you know, they know how to set up a Zoom call. I mean, that's a miracle in itself. Yeah? And I don't believe in miracles. Um, so that's what it is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for us, it's, you know, incredible, um, you know, to be able to, to support people in this period of, of success. And, you know, I don't think, Buying secondhand, um, you know, Gucci or LV, Louis Vuitton bags is necessarily a necessity, but being able to sell a Gucci bag or a Louis Vuitton bag is a necessity. I mean, what what we you know cannot forget is that the people who buy and sell luxury fashion are not necessarily all rich, right? But there's people who who love fashion or who love owning things like that, um, and they want to spoil themselves. So you know considering how many of them are facing, you know, severe economic situations, I mean, with unemployment being where they are, I think it's a fantastic thing to be able to provide them a service today and help them monetize, you know, the assets that are de facto lying in their wardrobes. Um, and that, you know, that makes, you know, all of us here at Bestier incredibly proud to be able to help. You know, I think it gives us all and reminds us all of the meaning. And I think the, the second thing that has really struck me over the last six, seven months, and again, I'm, I'm not the first one to say this, but, you know, science is a great thing. I mean, it's, it's great to listen to the scientists again. And, and you know, the core part of Vestia's vision is, is really to empower a community of fashion activists uh, to inspire each other to drive and change for a more sustainable future. And, and core part of that mission is about sustainability, about circularity, about buying and selling, about finding the right owner for the right product at the right time in the product's life cycle. And, and I think that that whole issue we faced with COVID, which is already difficult as it is, is, is I think only a, a prequel to, you know, the much bigger challenges that we're going to face with, with global warming. And, and again, I think, you know, at, at Vestiaire, this is at the heart of what we do. Our business is at its core a sustainable business. And by educating people that they can not only make money for themselves when they sell products, but they can also, you know, help change people's consumers' behavior, reduce senseless consumption, reduce waste, uh, I think is just a wonderful thing. So I mean, in many ways, I try to see, you know, this difficult situation that we're, we're facing, but, but try to make the best out of it. You know, I think it's, you know, the good old saying that, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Max, what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have touched on? That the last, um, what you shared last was outstanding. But what what would you like to share with your audience today that we may not have talked about uh, on your show? It's really important. Uh, I'm using up my quota of smart things to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm already exhausted. Um, be be authentic. No, I, we I, want I, the I you. Think the bottom line yeah. is, I think 
you know, I can just reflect on myself and my journey over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, you know, and I see myself today, you know, proud and happy what I'm doing. And I think, you know, that is really, it is so important to find something that you believe in and that believing in something should not be only driven by, you know, how it makes you look or how it makes you feel uh, in, in other people's eyes, but how it makes you feel yourself. So it's this whole kind of, you know, finding a vision and a mission that you truly believe in versus kind of doing something for the sake of recognition or for the sake of earning money or whatever it is. You know, it's it's an old stigma, but but it couldn't be truer than it ever is. It's not just how you do it, but what you do it for. I think there needs to be something bigger behind it that is motivating you. And I think that's coming back to what you said earlier on about, you know, you only can be really successful if you're doing what you enjoyed as a, you know, five, six-year-old. And, you know, when you ask a five, six-year-old in kindergarten what their dream job is, no one will ever answer, you know, I want to make a lot of money. You know, I don't, I've never heard a five <laughs> or six-year-old say that. You know, they want to do things which they believe are cool and, and, and have a purpose. And I think, you know, you know, that's, I think, I'm pretty close to that at the moment. Even though I, Excellent. even though I didn't know what the internet was when I was five, six years old, I'm a bit too old for that, but it's still pretty cool. <laughs> Max, Max, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on. If you could stay on just for a moment after we uh, we close our show, it'd be great. Thank you so much for being on. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to the Entrepreneurs Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Maximilian Bittner. Max is the CEO of Vestiaire. Collective, a global marketplace enabling people to buy and sell luxury pre-owned fashion products. For more information, feel free to visit their website at us.vestiairecollective.com. That's vestiairecollective.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game-changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dioro. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The Chief Audio Engineer is Eris Chikopoulos. Chief Engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao. And the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Thank you.